This is Archive Atlanta, episode 152, Jitneys. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week, we're continuing with the new format, which alternates one regular length episode and then one mini. And I am so thankful for it this week because I have been out of commission with some mystery illness since Tuesday. Um, I went to urgent care. It's not strep. It's not flu. It's not COVID. But let me tell you, I got into bed Tuesday after work and I did not get out until Thursday morning. So I took a mini episode out of the Patreon archives and it's all about Jitneys. Really small blip on the radar of history in Atlanta, um, but they have them in other cities and it's just all around a really fascinating topic. So I hope you enjoy this. So in today's world, we all know what Uber and Lyft is and what they provide. And many cities with highly established and regulated taxi systems have waged war against them. I'm definitely talking about New York City. But did you know that these cities had the same issues just many decades before you were born? A jitney is the name of a taxi that operated outside of municipal regulations. The word stemming from the slang word for nickel, which is what the ride originally cost. Before we talk about Atlanta's jitneys, let's discuss how we got to the point of needing such a service. Atlanta was a streetcar city. Prior to 1891, every streetcar line in the city was run by one of 10 companies. In that year, they were consolidated into one corporation and run by Joel Hurt, who I talked about in episode 43. By the turn of the century, about 1902, the streetcars were owned and operated by the Georgia Railway and Power Company, the earliest iteration of Georgia Power. Was this a monopoly? You bet. Did the city allow it? Of course it did. From 1900 to 1906, the number of cars on U.S. streets jumped from 6,000 to 100,000, and I'm talking about automobiles. By 1913, there were 1 million automobiles registered to drive in the country, and this is when the middle class was finally able to buy the family car. In Fulton County alone, there were six to 8,000 automobiles registered in 1915, there's 10,000 in 1917, 12,000 in 1918, and 20,000 by 1920. So by 1927, one in five people owned a car. Jitney history begins in Los Angeles, California in 1914. By the following year, their use spread across the country. And the idea was pretty simple. For five cent fare, any vehicle could be turned into a jitney, which seems innocuous, right? But not quite. The first issue is that this cut into streetcar profits. And the second was that this was an unregulated market, which could be dangerous for passenger safety. And third, most city leaders felt that it made streets overly crowded. In February of 1915, George Hansen, owner of Oakland Motor Sales, had a meeting with George Kelly to discuss bringing jitneys to Atlanta. Unsurprisingly, jitneys were a pro for car salesmen because it meant more car sales. By March, city councilman Jesse B. Lee proposed an ordinance to make it harder for jitneys to operate. And what this ordinance said was basically proposing a law that would force drivers to take out a $10,000 indemnity bond and pay $100 for a jitney license. Preston Arkwright, who was president of Georgia Power, again, owned all of the streetcars, helped write the ordinance, not surprisingly. There was stiff opposition led by Isaac Ragsdale, uh, Claude Ashley, and almost every other single quote-unquote auto man in Atlanta. 
and then automotive dealers hired an attorney, Lindsay Hopkins, to represent their interests. Shortly thereafter, the Jitney Bus Association formed, led by J.T. Hazelton. They hired attorney Thomas Felder, who sued the city of Atlanta. And this case is known as Hazelton et al. versus the city of Atlanta, and it took four years to decide. But we'll get there in a minute. Georgia Powers Arkwright spoke for a whole hour at the city council meeting, defending the ordinance line by line. Asa Candler agreed with him that oversight was needed, but the Chamber of Commerce was against strict regulation of jitneys. Georgia Power's retaliation was to petition the Georgia Railroad Commission to label jitneys as common carriers. What that meant was that as a common carrier, they would have to pick up black passengers by law. For Georgia Power, they pushed the fears of mixing white women and black men in a very small car, and they knew that public outrage was going to help their cause. The Jitney's primary riders were lower to middle class white people, so there were many proposed changes to the ordinance after the lawsuit was filed in an attempt to placate both sides. Councilman S.W. Freeman proposed his changes, which were making the bond $5,000 and then doing a sliding scale fee with proposed routes. So you you could only drive this route in your Jitney. W.H. Johnson makes his own proposal, which... I can't even remember. They were all just slightly different than the original. By April of 1919, there was an offer of a $50 license fee per seven passengers, and then $75 for vehicles that could carry 12 or more passengers. Jitneys in Atlanta were able to operate for four years while this court case made its way through the system. I did a mini episode about this, but when the streetcar operators went on strike in 1917, and again in 1918, jitney use skyrocketed, and it allowed middle-class Atlantans to get where they needed to go. In 1925, the final version of the ordinance was passed, which regulated that all jitneys with a seating capacity of 20 passengers or less had to operate outside the municipal area, except special sections inside the city limits. They were also banned from all streets with streetcars, and streets parallel to or within two blocks of a streetcar, which, if you understand Atlanta's streetcar system, was like every single street. Jitney operators gathered together and planned a stage violation of the ordinance in protest. The Atlanta Jitney Bus Association merged with the Georgia Bus Association, I think it was called, and then together they pooled their resources to hire an attorney to file an injunction. Sadly, it was all for naught. Just a few months later, the judge dismissed the case, and jitneys disappeared from city streets. The streetcars had another strike in 1950 that lasted for seven months, and the police chief at the time suspended all officer vacations, posted them on every single Atlanta intersection to control traffic, and the mayor actually went on to temporarily temporarily allow jitneys to operate in the city. The union ends up voting to allow the permit process, and then Georgia Power sees this as their exit from the transit business. So there you have it, the short story of Jitneys in Atlanta. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review, and you can visit the Patreon link in the show notes to support the podcast. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.